It's another Blind Date Diary in the books this week here on Kicking Out at Two as I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth. Thank you all so very much for joining me as we're going to be covering WCW's Battle Bowl 1993. First time I watched this recently, and I thought this would be a lot of fun to recap for you all. So uh, looking forward to doing that with you. And I'm also looking forward for you guys to join me on social media, both Facebook and Twitter. Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at Two, as well as our Twitter handle at Kicking out to k-i-c-k-n-o-u-t in the number two give us a like on facebook give us a follow on twitter links to archive shows fun pictures debates and discussions i'm trying to get debates and discussions going but some of you guys just don't want to be a part of it but you know i'll keep trying um and you can find links to archive shows on both of our social media pages as well. Possibly an Instagram page coming up. Not sure yet in the talks. Uh, schedule's been pretty busy, but uh, doing the best I can to try and get that going. Um, you know, trying to expand the brand, if you will. But, uh, you know, that will happen over time. Um, and speaking of archive shows, Retromania, Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Search Retromania with a W. Find us on Podbean, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and so many other great podcast platforms available. You'll find Hulkamania is Dead on there. You'll find uh, Cool Truth with uh, AC Whitehouse and Edwards. You'll find uh, all kinds of great shows. Marking Up Today's Weekend Warriors, Origins of Attitude, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, and so many other great bonus content over there. Kobe Nida has a a plethora of uh, of shows that uh, he's got up there, including this this uh, this show as well, kicking out it too, which I'm very grateful for. But uh, with that being said, let's get into the recap this week, the blind date diary, if you will. WCW Battle Bowl 1993. It took place on Saturday, November the 20th, and it emanated from the uh, uh, Pensacola Civic Center in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, roughly 7,000 were in attendance. 3,000 of those fans paid attendance, mind you. Um, now, for those of you that are unfamiliar with Battle Bowl, Battle Bowl is a concept in WCW that was very short-lived at the time. You would take two random guys, whether they were two baby faces or a heel and a baby face or two heels, and you would pair them up together and they would face another team that was drawn at random. And the winning team would then move on to the Battle Bowl over-the-top rope Battle Royal. Uh, and the winner would be the Battle Bowl champion. And the first time this concept was introduced was at the 1991 Starcade event. Sting was the very first Battle Bowl winner. And then in 92 the following year they did a reduced uh, battle bowl um, concept and it was um, the great motor that won now in 91 they had two rings and it was a two ring battle royal in 92 they had one ring with 16 men in the battle royal so uh, they've adopted the one ring battle bowl concept and brought it to 1993 now those two battle bowls were part of starcades and this one in particular that I'm recapping was a standalone pay-per-view that they had tried um, all on its own. And it was following a Clash of Champions pay-per-view event. This place, this pay-per-view took place on a Saturday, which was uh, you know, foreign territory for the, the world of pay-per-view. You saw mostly Sundays, um, some Mondays with SummerSlam, but for the most part, um, didn't really get a whole lot of Saturday pay-per-views. But in this case, Battle Bowl took place on a Saturday, November the 20th, 1993. And like I said, a lot took place on this, uh, on you know, in WCW during that time period. There was a Clash of Champions on a Thursday. We had a pay-per-view on a Saturday. And then we had, you know, the, the, the regular WCW programming that was taking place, um, you know, Power Hour and Pro and all those other shows. So, um, 
yeah, a lot going on. But anyhow, this was this this pay per view was lumped up right in the middle. Um, the the show opens with a video package of various WCW stars discussing the Battle Bowl um, concept and you know their thoughts on on winning the Battle Bowl. Guys like Sting and Cactus Jack, Stunning Steve Austin, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Dust, Dustin Rhodes, Ravishing Rick Rude, the Nasty Boys, Johnny B. Bad, etc. I uh, thought this was a a, a neat little open. Just you know, highlighting what's to come on this uh, Battle Bowl um, pay-per-view. Oh, before I continue the recap, this just came to me. Battle Bowl would re- would return in 1996 as a part of the Slamboree pay-per-view, the Lethal Lottery, and that was the last time we saw the Battle Bowl concept in WCW. So it was it was a part of two Starcades, a Slamboree, but in '93 it was a standalone pay-per-view only. So I forgot about that. Had to mention that. Um, Anyhow, uh, the pay-per-view opens, like I said, video package, and then we get Tony Schiavone and Jesse the Body Ventura on commentary as they discuss the evening's festivities. They're going to explain the rules for a bit, and we see a split screen in the locker rooms, you know, one side the heels, one side the baby faces. As you know, two names are drawn at random that form a team, and they must team together to win their match to advance to the Battle Bowl match, which is an over-the-top rope battle royal. Um, And then we send it off to Mean Gene and Fifi the Maid, who was Ric Flair's valet, they're over at the podium with the tumbler and they're going to be the ones drawing the names and calling them out and the first name that was drawn was cactus jack and randomly his tag team partner chosen would be vader and they're going to form a team to take on the team of cole from harlem heat aka stevie ray this is before they went by their real names and charlie norris as the the other random team thrown together now this is interesting because at that time in 1993 vader and cactus jack were in a heated rivalry they had a series of matches on saturday night i've talked about it before vader power bombs cactus on the canvas i was traumatized as a kid cactus is out for a while he makes a long-weighted return they have a texas death match at the 1993 halloween havoc pay-per-view and uh, their rivalry continued not long after that and then this was part of it as well so these two were very reluctant to have a team with each other the announcers made a big deal over it because they've had some brutal matches with each other and they kind of implied that there was going to be some chaos involving these two in the match so um and and they didn't disappoint they started the match out both fighting each other vader and cactus on the ramp and then all of a sudden cole from harlem heat jumps cactus and then charlie norris runs in and vader dumps him out um, onto the ramp and then off the floor or off to the floor I should say um, and then when the, the bell finally rings we get Cole and Cactus starting out and Harley races on the outside and he's trying to, to convince Vader that he has to compete in the match in order to make it to Battle Bowl because Vader doesn't want a team with Cactus because he knows he's not going to get along with him um, but as the match progresses, they both start to realize that they need to work with each other and they appear to be working together as a team. A lot of quick tags in and out as they're both working on Charlie Norris. Um, Vader delivers a vicious Vader bomb to Charlie Norris, but he doesn't cover. Instead, he throws Norris to the outside and then Cactus gives Norris a somersault plancha out to the floor, which is a huge, gets a huge pop from the uh, Pensacola crowd. Um, and the crowd seems to be pretty much into this team. Anytime they put out any kind of offense, crowd pop big for it so uh didn't really care for the the combination of cole and norris um but cole and norris would eventually manage to gain the upper hand and work on cactus which would result in a series of uh, uh of uh, or i should say a negative response from the audience anytime that they got some heat on cactus um 
And then Cactus would get the hot tag to Vader. Vader would do all the signature stuff, which would get big pops from the crowd. The finish would come when Vader would deliver an ugly, ugly powerbomb on Norris that sends him back into the ropes. He almost lost his footing and tripped, um, and he almost dropped Norris on his head. And the victory comes at 7 minutes and 35 seconds. Advancing to the Battle Bowl main event will be Cactus Jack and Vader. Um... My final thoughts in this match. This was a fun little match. Got you interested because there was some backstory with Cactus and Vader. Like I said, nobody really cared about um, Charlie Norris and uh, Cole, a.k.a. Stevie Ray from Harlem Heat. But um, I, they, they cared enough that they wanted to see Cactus and, and Vader advance, but also at the same time pummel each other. So um, this was definitely a mismatch that uh, I don't think fans expected Cole and Norris to win the match. Um, Shivani and Ventura recap this match and explain further the rivalry that is taking place between uh, Cactus and Vader. And then we get uh, Fifi and Mean Gene out to draw the next two teams. And this would seem to be a theme overnight, or over the course of the evening, I should say, um, as Oakland would flirt with Fifi like the dirty old man that he is. Uh, a few times he even felt her up. And, uh, you know, it was, it, it, was a, it was a nice little running gag throughout the show. Um, the first team drawn at random is none other than Four Horsemen, Paul Roma, and Eric Watts. And then they will face off against the random team of Johnny B. Bad and Nasty Boy Brian Knobs. Um, one thing I noticed about this match that would be a running theme throughout the uh, the, the rest of the pay-per-view is that uh, after these guys were drawn randomly, they didn't come out to their entrance music, uh, which was a little strange, but at the same time, if you're being drawn randomly and you're trying to portray that all these drawings are at random, then I wouldn't expect the guy doing the music to have each guy's theme song queued up properly. But um, another thing, too, I didn't know that Eric Watts was still employed with WCW at this time, given the way his father was let go earlier in the year, which is something we've talked about before and uh, the, the controversy surrounding Bill Watts and his run in WCW. But the match starts out with uh, Johnny B. Bad and Paul Roman in a series of chain wrestling and some reversals. Johnny B. Bad seem, seeming to be getting the best of Roma with his counters, a lot of arm drags, arm bars, etc. Uh, Roma is definitely working and selling like a heel until Knobs gets tagged in. Um, you know, something about these matches too, you know, the match psychology can get weird at times because of the battle bowl concept, you know, heel face and the different combinations. So, uh, this, this is the first time on this card that I had noticed it. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be a trend throughout the course of the, the, the show. Uh, Watts gets tagged in and does nothing despite Shivani putting him over as really popular amongst the crowd in WCW. The, the crowd was very mild to, uh, to, to his working in the ring. Um, but the finish comes when Watts goes for a flying crossbody to Brian Knobs, and the momentum reverses with Knobs on top, grabbing a hold of the tights for the win at 12 minutes and 57 seconds. Um, Johnny B. Bad doesn't like how they won the match, but that really doesn't matter because Johnny B. Bad and Brian Knobs advanced to Battle Bowl. Um, my final thoughts on this match this was nothing special. The crowd was into Johnny B. Bad because he was over, and they loved to heckle Brian Knobs, but nobody really cared for Paul Roma and Eric Watts. And I guess that's kind of what happens with this Battle Bowl concept here. Um, so, uh, anyhow, uh, Mean Gene and Fifi still flirting while the announcers are trying to get their attention um, so they can draw more names out of the tumbler. At one point, Gene is on the mic telling Fifi not to not to blow on it, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, you'll have to go back and watch it if, if you dare. Um, if I if I can watch it and do this recap for you, then I think you can watch this show too. But um, nonetheless, uh, the first team that gets drawn at random is the Shockmaster without 
the Star Wars Stormtrooper helmet, and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff as their opponents, drawn at random, will be Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Lord Steven Regal. Um, Orndorff comes out to, to, to some good heat with the crowd chanting Paula. That was the thing back then uh, to get heat on Paul Orndorff in WCW. Uh, his tag team partner, Shockmaster, is egging the crowd up egging the crowd on to continue the Paula chance, which I thought was a, a fun little dynamic. And uh, during this time, um, you know, Regal and Steamboat, they have an ongoing rivalry, and Regal wants no part of teaming with him. So this is more about the, you know, the, the odd couple tag teams with this battle bowl concept here. Uh, they had a match at the 1993 Fall Brawl for the television title, which was a pretty damn good match. So um, Paula chance every time or Orndorff does something in the match. Uh, like I said, it's a fun little reaction as the match begins with him and Steamboat. The action would spill out onto the floor with a fun little brawl early on between the two, and then Steamboat would get the advantage early on with a few near-fall attempts, only getting the two count. Um, he would go back to a, a, a rear headlock or chin lock, and then would turn it into a side headlock pinning attempt only for a two count. Both both of these guys managed to tag their partners into the match, and you get a lot of USA chants um, as Regal enters the match where he, and he squares off with Shockmaster, but uh, Shockmaster would manage to overpower Regal in a few of their lockup attempts. And then Orndorff and Shockmaster would exchange some words after getting tagged in. Uh, Regal would extend his hand to Wonderful as a show of sportsmanship while Steamboat is yelling at him to wrestle the damn match. You even hear it on Mike. He's like, wrestle the damn match. Uh, Regal and Orndorff would lock up and you get a shoulder tackle by Regal into a side headlock pinning combination only for two. A series of counters and pinning combination reversals by Wonderful for a series of two counts. Uh, you know, crowd was into that and Ventura noted that on commentary complimenting the scientists chain wrestling by the two as Steamboat forced a tag into the match. Um, Mr. Wonderful would eventually gain the upper hand on the dragon and work on him with some elbows to the back, some strikes and kicks and slams, wearing him down, kind of building more heat on him as the crowd's chanting for Steamboat. Shockmaster would get the tag in and missed an elbow on Steamboat as he goes to tag Regal. Regal would back away, but then Shockmaster tags takes Steamboat's hand and tags Regal into the match by hip-tossing him into the ring, which got a pretty big pop. Regal would then get his umbrella from Sir William on the outside, and he tried to use it on Shockmaster while the referee's distracted with Orndorff arguing with his who's arguing with his partner. Steamboat then grabs the umbrella, nailing Regal in the head, then chases off Sir William to the back while Shockmaster splashes Regal for the win at 6 minutes and 27 seconds. Um, you know, this I didn't expect this match to be anything special but this wasn't a bad match it, I, I like the story between Regal and Steamboat you know they're both rivals um, the Paula chance directed at Paul Orndorff made for a fun interaction with the crowd and the Shockmaster he did a good job playing his role as the lovable big guy that didn't like his tag team partner so overall I think everything worked that they did in this match and it was probably the first real match where like everyone in the match the crowd they cared for in some form or fashion you know the first two matches the crowd was into like one particular team but this match the crowd was into all four guys and the interactions that both team members had with each other so i thought this was pretty good um so mr wonderful and the Shockmaster will advance to the battle bowl match and then we get the announcers promoting the 1993 starcade event in the next month and the history of that event dating back all the way to 1983 and then we are showing a video of the 1993 star kid announcement with mean gene vader and harley race 
Okerlund details the importance of the event and how promoters all over the world wanted Star K, but Charlotte, North Carolina won the bid and was awarded the major event. And then we get Ric Flair in the shot, showing up with a contract to challenge Vader for the World Heavyweight title. The two end up going back and forth verbally, boasting over their respective resumes. Flair then reveals the contents of that contract, stating if he can't beat Vader at Starcade and win the title, he's gone from the sport of professional wrestling. And then Vader, after hearing that news, lists off all the victims he's taken out, like Sting and Ron Simmons, Cactus Jack, Sid Vicious being his latest victim, warning Flair of what's to come at Starcade. Um, I thought that was a nice little segment that they slotted in here in this pay-per-view, um, building up the, the, the main event for next month's pay-per-view. Um, just the, the, the importance that Mean Gene tried to, to, to make the announcement of Starcade being in Charlotte. You had some, you know, reporters on standby there to take pictures and ask questions. They tried to make it look like the press was there. Overall, I thought it was a nice touch, um, added to, uh, this pay-per-view event and just to kind of get you excited for the next pay-per-view. And, uh, if you go out of your way to watch Starcade 1993, definitely got to watch Vader and Flair, an all-time classic. Um, we then cut back to, uh, Mean Gene and Fifi at the, uh, podium as Gene is holding a set of handcuffs, not realizing that he's back on the air. Um, the next team drawn out is the Awesome Kong and the Equalizer, and their opponents drawn are Awesome Kong's tag team partner, King Kong, and the natural Dustin Rhodes. Um, let's just say Dustin Rhodes in this match, he got a bad draw here. <laughs> um, this match sucked. I didn't expect it to be good to begin with. It was what it was. The crowd did not give a shit about this match, and I could definitely see why. Um, the only thing they cared about was Dustin and his stuff. They popped for all his signature stuff, but everyone else in the match, they were silent on. Um, and the finish comes when Rhodes pins Awesome Kong for the Bulldog at 5 minutes, 56 seconds. Final thoughts? I have none. I told you. This match sucked. Didn't like it. Advancing to Battle Bowl, Dustin Rhodes and King Kong. Next! is Mean Gene back with Fifi again. More flirting as they announce the next team drawn randomly is Sting and Nasty Boy Jerry Sags. And their opponents drawn at random are Keith Cole and Ron Simmons. Um, interesting dynamic here. Um, Keith Cole, a virtual nobody, tagging with veteran Ron Simmons. And then you have Sting and Jerry Sags, heel and babyface combination. Um, interesting here. Um, Ron Simmons and Jerry Sags start the match off. Simmons dropping Sags with a series of power moves like slams and shoulder blocks. And then uh, Cole gets tagged in. Continues to work on Sags's arm. Um, and then the camera cuts to fans in the front row chanting for Missy Hyatt. Uh... Crowd then chants for Sting as he enters the match. Big pop for him. Um, and I can tell that they already don't care for Keith Cole in this match. Poor guy. Uh, got got the got the bad draw here. Um, as Jerry Sachs would then get the upper hand on Cole, refusing to tag in Sting on a couple of occasions. Once again, that you know odd couple love-hate tag team dynamic that's big part of Battle Bowl here. Um we would get Cole finally managing to tag in Ron Simmons, and then uh, finally Sags tags in 
tags in Sting, excuse me. Or no, he yeah, he tags in Sting to pair up with Ron Simmons. And as the two face off, you can kind of feel the the, the, the electricity as you're watching it with the audience. They're, they really wanted to see this match because they hadn't seen Sting and Ron Simmons face off against each other. They'd always been allies. They had tagged up a few times, but they never saw each other. They never saw them face off. And the crowd was pretty split for them when they locked up. Um, but then uh, as... as their interaction progressed. Simmons seemed to be more of the aggressor here, uh, with Sting keeping up with him from time to time. Um, and then you kind of see a little bit of an, uh, uh, an angry streak in him as he's annoyed that Sting is countering his moves. Um, and it looks like this is kind of a character direction change for Ron Simmons. And I don't remember him going heel in 93, but I also I didn't watch a whole lot of WCW in 1993. So this was interesting. Uh, I, I didn't remember this, and I thought that I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. Um, they, they they would be the crowd was really into seeing Ron Simmons and Sting going at it, and I thought to myself, God damn, if they went with this man, whew, this would have been some really good stuff. Um, both guys are studs in the ring, you know. Both guys are over. Clearly, the audience all they cared about was Sting and Ron Simmons, and you know, in their interaction in the match. Um, and then, you know, truth be told. Uh, when 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 Cole and Jerry Sachs would get tagged in, the crowd just kind of like flat, you know, they they flatlined. They didn't really care about the two of them. Um, but then you know, when Simmons and Sting would get tagged back in, the tension would build from Ron Simmons because Sting was, you know, fighting back and getting the best of him. Um, and we would see Simmons getting more and more angry and upset. And then the finish would come when Jerry Sachs would nail Cole with a flying elbow after Cole suffered a stinger splash at 13 minutes and 14 seconds. Uh, Post-match here saw Ron Simmons. He was upset that, that him and his team lost. And he delivered a spine buster to Keith Cole and then walked off, which kind of signaled a, 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 an attitude change in Ron Simmons' character. And I was, I was really... I was pleasantly surprised to see that. I, you know, my final thoughts here in this match. I really enjoyed the ex exchanges between St Sting and Ron Simmons, a more aggressive side to Ron Simmons that we would kind of see with the Farouk character in the WWF. Um, like I said, Cole and Sags they didn't really do it for me in this match. This match was all about the interaction between Sting and Ron Simmons. And you know, after after it, I was like, damn man, what if they went with those two at Starcade? That would have been like a cool like double main event or like a you know a, a mid card match like. Sting and Ron Simmons is with Ron Simmons as the heel. Uh, I think that would have been some cool stuff. Um, go back to uh, Jesse Ventura and Tony Schiavone discussing their favorites to win the Battle Bowl matches. Then we cut to Mean Gene and Fifi with some more groping and flirting. Um, the next team drawn is Stunning Steve Austin and Nature Boy. Woo! Ric Flair. As they're going to be taking on the random team drawn of Max Payne and Too Cold Scorpio. Everybody, here comes Too Cold Scorpio. Too that was terrible. You know what? I apologize for that. I'm not going to edit that out. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play that song at the end of this recording. So I'll kind of splice that all in there. I don't own the rights to that song. so. But just because you guys get an idea of the craziness that runs through my brain, I'll play you Two Cold Scorpios theme song at the end of this recording here on uh, you know Blind Date Diaries Battle Bowl 93. Um, let's get to the match. Steve Austin, Ric Flair versus Max Payne and Two Cold Scorpio. Um... 
You know, Austin and Flair had some recent issues um, with Austin costing Flair a world title match at a recent Clash of Champions against Vader. And then, uh, you know, I, 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 going back and watching this, every time I saw Flair and Austin interact with each other in this match, I really would have loved to have seen Steve Austin as like a member of the Four Horsemen. Stunning Steve Austin, you know, tagging up with Arn Anderson or Ric Flair. I just feel like it would have just been a perfect fit. Like Hollywood Blondes, you, know, you got Flair and Anderson, you got Austin and Pillman. Like, that would have been a cool Four Horsemen. I would have loved it. Goddamn WCW. Why did you have to fuck that shit up, huh? Honestly. Um, got to... Very strong, contrasting styles between these two teams. Um, we see Scorpio pretty much working the majority of the match for his team, um, as Austin and Flair would take turns working on him. We got good exchanges between them. I, I enjoyed the work. Scorpio using his high-flying style to counter the technical groundwork of Flair and Austin, who surprisingly enough are working well as a team um max Payne would get tagged in from time to time to deliver a couple of big man moves only to be tagged back out um not sure why he had limited time in the ring i'm either guessing it's an injury or he just his inexperience they didn't want to uh you know uh let that let that show to the audience but um he had very limited short spurts in the match he would eventually get a hot tag and start to clean house uh on austin and flair until the finish came when flair forced max Payne to submit to the figure four after Payne rammed his knee into the corner missing flair for the win at 14 minutes 31 seconds um and we get austin and flair advancing to the Battle Bowl match. My final thoughts on this match. It was a decent match. Decent story between Austin and Flair. Kind of the same formula they've been doing. The tag team partners don't like tagging with each other. But for the greater good, they got to tag with each other. Um, Scorpio really held it down for his team. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, Scorpio's involvement in there with Flair and with Austin. Max Payne didn't do shit. Um, we got Mean Gene and Fifi on the podium continuing their flirtatious behavior ready to draw the next two teams and those two teams would be drawn at random and they are Ravishing Rick Rude and Shanghai Pierce as they take on the team of Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Tex Slashinger who is the tag team partner of Shanghai Pierce. Um, <laughs> this is funny. Uh, the mic picked this one up. You can hear Rick Rude on camera tell Pierce that he's his partner now and Tex isn't shit. Um, and then the camera quickly, you know, cuts over. But you see Rude correcting himself because I think he knew that he was caught on camera. Um, this match was okay. Uh, Rude worked on Bagwell for the majority of it. Uh, Shanghai Pierce would get some shots in on Bagwell with a series of slams, second rope knee drops, suplexes. Uh, Tex would finally get the tag as he mixes up with his own partner, Pierce. Crowd was into that. Didn't expect that coming because usually in this situation, the tag team partners try to avoid uh, facing each other if they're forced to wrestle each other. But um, the finish comes when Shanghai Pierce makes a blind tag to Rude while Tex attempts a sunset flip. Rude drops him with the Rude Awakening for the win at 14 minutes and 49 seconds. Uh, I thought the match went a little too long here but um you know it was okay it was nothing special um so we see uh Post-match after Rude and uh, Pierce advance to the Battle Bowl, Texan Shanghai attack Bagwell and leave him laying in the ring. Um, and then Shivani and Ventura are back on commentary discussing their favorites for the Battle Bowl uh, with all the names that have been entered so far. And then we get Mean Gene and Fifi drawing the last two teams, which would end up being Road Warrior Hawk and Rip Rogers taking on Kane, not 
Kane from WWE, but AKA Booker T from Harlem Heat and the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. Um, match would start out as Hawk would nail Rick Rogers during the entrance. Um, Bulldog and Booker would beat on Rogers some more on the way to the ring as he's left laying on the lamp, uh, ramp. Excuse me, And then Bulldog and Hawk high five as a sign of sportsmanship to start the match off. Hawk, he just basically wrestled a handicap match while Rogers was on the ramp selling the beatdown. Um, Rogers tried a few times to make it back into the ring, but Booker kind of prevented him from doing that with uh, you know a few right hands and some kicks. Um, this 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 would pretty much be the ongoing theme during the match. Rogers would try to get back in, but guys would kind of take him out. And the finish comes when Hawk would press slam his own partner, Rip Rogers, onto Booker T for the victory at seven minutes and fifty-five seconds. Nothing special here, but I thought it was interesting that Hawk kind of went his own route and decided he wasn't going to use his partner to wrestle the match, but only use his partner for the finish and help them get the win. That was, uh, and it got a pretty big pop when he, when he did that press slam. So that was a lot of fun. And then, uh, now we are set, and our Battle Bowl participants for this main event are Vader, Cactus Jack, The Nasty Boys, Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags, Johnny B. Bad, Sting, Stunning Steve Austin, Nature Boy Ric Flair, Dustin Rhodes, King Kong, Road Warrior Hawk, Rip Rogers, Ravishing Rick Root, Shanghai Pierce, The Shockmaster, and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Um, we get our standard Battle Royal rules. Uh, over the top rope to the floor, eliminates the opponents. Um, the finish of this match comes when Vader eliminates Sting at 25 minutes and 35 seconds to win the Battle Bowl Championship. And the order of elimination for this match goes, uh, Rip Rogers was eliminated by Johnny B. Bad. Then Shanghai Pierce was eliminated by Cactus Jack. Johnny B. Bad was eliminated by Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Cactus Jack would eliminate Vader. And then Mr. Wonderful was eliminated by Dustin Rhodes. King Kong was eliminated by the Shockmaster. And then Shockmaster was eliminated by both of the Nasty Boys. Brian Nobbs of the Nasty Boys was then eliminated by Dustin Rhodes. And Jerry Sags and Dustin Rhodes were then eliminated by Steve Austin, who tried to eliminate Sags but ended up eliminating Rhodes as well. Rick Rude would then be eliminated by Hawk, and then Hawk was eliminated by Vader and Steve Austin. Rick Flair was then eliminated after Vader attacked him on the ramp. He was taken out in a stretcher, so therefore he wasn't thrown over the top rope. So technically to this day, Rick Flair could have won this battle bowl. And then Austin was eliminated by Sting after getting dumped onto the ramp and then rolling out onto the floor. Um, all right, and there you have it. That is the end of this WCW Battle Bowl recap of 1993. Overall, this was an okay show. Um, if you're curious what the Battle Bowl concept is, then maybe you should check the show out. Um, but you really won't be missing much. Um, I would not prefer watching this again. I'll say that. Um, this was a... This this didn't feel... Even watching this, tw you know, 20-some-odd years later, 28 years later... Um, this didn't feel like a big pay-per-view. This felt like a Clash of Champions kind of uh, setup. So um, this didn't really have the big feel effect. As a, as a youngster, I thought the Battle Bowl concept was cool. But after watching this event, I realized that it's not something that I think works well in today's wrestling. I know that Cody Rhodes recently um, filed a trademark for the Battle Bowl name, maybe to use the concept down the line. I kind of talked about this on a previous podcast. Maybe you can make it work. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll have to see. Maybe there'll be some slight alterations to the concept. But nonetheless, um, this year, this show here in particular proved that, uh, you know, it was 
it was okay. It was, it was really nothing special. And what are the big stakes? You know, Vader was the heavyweight champion of the world, and he won the Battle Bowl. I feel like this wasn't done any to, you know, anything to, to. It wasn't. It, it was just done to kind of pad Vader's resume, I guess, as you head into the match with Flair. You know, it'd be kind of interesting maybe if Flair won the match and Flair had Battle Bowl as you know, a, a notch on his belt, and maybe that's the that's the, the, the thing that gets him the title match with Vader at Starcade, you know? And maybe, you know, the, the Vader... Maybe they would have implemented a stipulation where Vader won, he gets to choose his Starcade opponent, but... They didn't do either of those, so, you know, that's, you know, me being, you know, a 2020 revisionist, hindsight, but, um, yeah. If, this is not a... This is not a blind date. This is not a... a this date doesn't get a second look for me, but if you guys want to check it out, by all means, um, I warned you, it, it, it was okay. It was nothing special, and uh, that does it this week here on Kicking Out of Two Blind Date Diary Recap for all of you covering WCW Battle Bowl 1993. Um, next week. Next week is going to be a fun one. Dennis is going to come back, and we are going to watch Survivor Series 1990, the 30th anniversary of that event, is approaching. And uh, that's that show is most memorable for two things. The best debut in wrestling and the worst debut in wrestling. That being gobbledygooker and the undertaker uh that show took place from hartford connecticut my hometown did not attend that event did not watch it on pay-per-view dennis was there so i'm gonna get his thoughts on uh you know his uh his memories uh, of attending the 1990 survivor series event uh, and this is the first and only time that that survivor series event had the grand finale match of survival where all the winners of the surviving teams would then uh meet up in a big match at the end and we would find out who the sole survivor really is in wwf so that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to watch that on WWE Network, Dennis and I. So be on the lookout for that next week. And with that being said, I think it's about that time that we officially put this show down for the three count. We're going to leave you with a little Too Cold Scorpio theme song. And we'll see you all next week.